after the Devils game, I was like, I'll watch the Leafs uh, Tampa. You know, it's 4-1, but I'll watch the rest of the game. I turned it on. 20 seconds later, Matthew scores. They proceed to score three goals in a row to tie the game and then win it in overtime. You're welcome, Toronto. I won that game for you. It Thanks, was all Case. me. Yeah, that's all I want. A thank you, maybe a gift basket, whatever. Yeah. You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to episode 168 of the podcast. Cody Abrams and Melbourne, all three of us uh, together for this one again. Guys, the first round of the NHL playoffs have been absolutely fantastic so far. We're going to focus on uh, a couple of series in the East in this one. But first of all, how are we doing tonight? Doing good, uh, despite my body needs extra recovery, both mentally and physically, after watching the Devils and Rangers series so far. Um, people say, oh, I love the playoffs. Playoffs are fun. Not when your team's in it. Like It's just a two-hour stretch of misery, and then depending on the outcome, either uh, self-hate or elation. Just out-of-body experience and feeling like a cleanse you just came out of a sauna after a juice cleanse uh because your team won and and those are that's the mix of emotions that happens when your team's in the playoffs um funny enough harper's wearing a golf hat so he i mean obviously he doesn't know what that feels like right now (laughs) and you mentioned before we started we have two out of three playoff beards going right now because uh again to beat a guy while he's down uh the sabers are not in the playoffs i didn't want to make a comment but he comes out here wearing a titleist hat what am i gonna not make a comment on that you gotta say something in case you're so right there's no in between it's either juice cleanse high coming out of a sauna you're going to other ship downtown in toronto or it's you absolutely hate yourself and there's there's zero in between and i thought it was funny the one meme that you shared the other day i think when the devils lost the second game it it was something like yeah i'm really gonna let a a team of players chasing a puck around determine how i feel on a day-to-day basis this is sick yeah it was uh it was me realizing that 12 men on a sheet of ice chasing rubber dictates my happiness. And it was yeah. Pedro Pascal eating a, the sandwich like that meme. Yeah, uh, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, boys, I'm doing well. What an absolute crazy week it's been since we last recorded. Oh my goodness. Like, it, it, ridiculous. Especially last night's game, and we're going to get into that. That's why we're talking about the Devils and the Leafs um, and why I'm wearing my Leafs hat here. But just... An absolute incredible start to the playoffs. We've seen some uh, series that have been tighter than we expected, like the Seattle one we were talking about off air before we started. And, you know, some other series like the Boston one that are kind of going sort of exactly like we predicted. So it's just been so much fun to watch. And uh, I'm in a great mood because the playoffs are a great case and uh, our teams are winning right now. So it's okay for now. Before we before we hear how Harper's doing, you know, we 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 ask him that ten percent of the episodes. Ten percent. Um, and before we do that and get into the Devils Leafs, I just want to talk about how weird this playoffs have been. When you look at, I think it was going into last night, I heard the stat was uh, away teams were seventeen and eleven or something like that. How ridiculous is that? Yeah, well, wasn't it the opening night of the playoffs? Away teams went six and two, and we were like, uh, what? Like, yeah. where does that come yeah. from? So home ice advantage should mean something with the long change and the the last change as well. Sorry, the last change. So it should mean something, but, I mean, we saw the, the Devils and Rangers series. That meant absolutely nothing, home ice, that is. <laughs> and then the Leafs just took two in Tampa. So who knows, man? This is a weird playoff to watch so far. Anyway, Harper, how are you doing? Well, first of all, before I answer that, I feel like it's not that weird because I I feel like a lot of teams were really good on the road in the regular season. I know that the Devils were an excellent road team, uh, one of the best, if not the best, in the NHL in the regular season. Buffalo had a way better record on the road than at home, so this doesn't surprise me at all. It's been great so far. I'm doing fantastic. Kind of set myself up for failure with, uh, with the Titleist hat on, but you know what? I'm loving... Yes, obviously, I would be 
a lot happier if the Sabres ended up squeaking in. And my time will come to, to have Buffalo in the playoffs. But I'm loving the hockey boys, like watching. And I, you know, it could go either way. And I'm good with it. Um, obviously, want uh, some results to go my way for the sake of my NHL.com bracket that, that we all filled out. But, man, it's been awesome. I just watch games every night. And uh, I don't have a dog in the fight. So that's been great. Also... Want to mention that on Saturday, had a great time uh, with Steve White and a bunch of people. We went on a bus trip to Ottawa to see uh, Gavin White play in the uh, OHL playoffs with Peterborough. It was uh, game five of their series against Ottawa, and uh, that was a crazy game. Ottawa was uh, was down four to one going into the third period, and uh, they uh, they came back and won that game. But uh, but then the other night. Peterborough was able to uh, win in game six, five, four, and they're moving on. So want to uh, say congratulations to Gavin, former guest, Dallas Stars, uh, fourth round pick who signed. And so he's moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals in the OHL. So uh, yeah, doing great, fellas. It's been awesome so far. Wanted to say one more thing before we jump into the content because I forgot to say this in my intro, but it had to be mentioned. I already told Harper this uh, off air, but I ran into Elliot Friedman the other day uh, at Starbucks. And how it happened was, I I believe it was the Monday and it was coming off a a bit of a a rough weekend. And so it it was either Monday or Sunday. I was either hungover or coming off of a rough weekend. So I was kind (laughs) of... out of it a little bit, going to Starbucks, and Paige and I are walking out of the Starbucks, and we're kind of holding the door, and who else but Elliot Friedman is there, says thank you, walks in, took me a second, I turn around, and and I go, wait, Paige, that was Elliot Friedman, and it makes sense because our building is right directly next to uh, the Sportsnet studio, so I've seen a couple guys from Sportsnet now, um, Elliot Friedman and David Amber, but combined, I have said zero words to these people oh. because it, my brain just didn't work fast enough. And then I didn't want to be the guy to go back and be like, hey, can I get a picture or something? It just felt weird. And so I didn't he bother the guy. It's such a distinct looking person. I don't know how you don't. Maybe David Amber, you, you skip across, but Elliot yeah. Friedman, like. I know. How do you miss that? <laughs> I, it was oh. one of those things where my head was down. I was just getting coffee. I wasn't really thinking about it. I was kind of zoned out. And then I heard him say, thank you for holding the door. And then I turned in and saw him standing there waiting to order. And again, it was one of those things where like, he's a human too. I didn't want to bug him by like, you know, he's getting his coffee, whatever. Um, but then uh, as well, when I saw David Amber a few months ago, uh, I only recognized him because of his voice. He was walking with a friend uh, or a colleague maybe who I didn't recognize. And I heard him speaking and I was like, wait a second. I know that voice. He's on Hockey Night in Canada. So anyway, that's how I saw David Amber. But I was face to face with Elliot Friedman. Didn't say a word. Could have plugged the podcast and became rich and famous, but didn't. So here we are, boys, recording on a Tuesday night once again. Uh, well, that's too bad, but hey, I wouldn't, uh, I'd be more upset if I didn't meet Elliot and Jeff uh, Merrick, for that matter, in uh, Trenton that one time uh, when they were doing the uh, the 32 Thoughts tour with, uh, with Boston Pizza, so... I'll let that one slide uh, because <laughs> you guys know how much I, I admire uh, Elliot and, and Jeff as well. Um, all right, guys, let's uh, let's get into this episode. And uh, do do we want to start with with the Devils Rangers series sure. uh, off the bat? Okay, sure. yeah, we'll we'll start with that one. So yeah, obviously we're we're focusing on your two squads, uh, two out of the three uh, boys in the booth teams that uh, that make it into the playoffs, and uh, they've they've both been great series so far. So starting with the battle of the Hudson Rangers go up two games to none uh with uh, with two wins on the road in New Jersey and then uh the Devils fire off two in a row at MSG and just like that we've got a series all tied up at two going into uh game five um on Thursday night I believe it is case is it on Thursday yeah. as, as yeah, well Thursday yeah night. So anyway, it's it's been great so far. So Chad, why don't we go to you first, and then we'll go to Case. Um, yeah, Devils have made this a series. Just your thoughts on this one so far? 
Hey guys, there's no betting corner segment in this episode of the podcast, so I thought I would take this time to tell you a little bit about our newest sponsor, BetStamp, the line shopping app for sports bettors. Betting lines have different odds across each sportsbook, and by using the BetStamp app, you can line shop across all of those sportsbooks to ensure that you're finding the best value available on the bets that you'd probably already be making. Also, the BetStamp app allows you to track all of your verified bets across those different sportsbooks so that you can build a more credible record as a better, and it allows you to follow other winning BetStamp users so that you can instantly be notified of their picks. So click the link in the description down below to download the BetStamp app today. And when you do, be sure to provide the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH when prompted to do so to let them know that we sent you. Every download really helps us out and it helps you out as well. So we would really appreciate the support. Thanks, guys. Yeah, well, initially when they went down two games to nothing, I, along with a lot of other people, were probably thinking the same thing. This team's done. They don't want have it. They don't have what it takes to win in the playoffs. Yeah. And at least yada, they yada, got yada. in. Yeah, exactly. And, and this yep. year doesn't matter. You know, it's a young core. Like it, they got there, and this is step one. Well, the Devils must have heard some of that criticism, and they said, "Hold on." Jack Hughes said, hold on, uh, we're a resilient group here, and they showed that in games three and four, taking two dubs on uh, the opponent's ice. So that was just incredible to see. It seems like this series, for, through the first two games anyways, was all Rangers at five on five and special teams as well. And now it seems like it's kind of like completely flipped. I think the Rangers have been getting better goaltending throughout the entire series so far. But then Akira Schmid comes in and it plays a couple pretty good games for them. So, uh, it, like, to me, this has been entertaining exactly as advertised. Uh, I looked at some of the numbers and it seems like, you know, despite the fact that the first two games went one way pretty one-sidedly, and then the second two games went the other way fairly closely. Um, it does seem like the numbers suggest that it's been a pretty close series overall when those four games are taken into account. So I'm just looking at the goals, it's 12-7, but then when you break it down to expected goals, it's only 12-10 in favor of the New York Rangers as well. Again, that suggests that the Rangers have been getting pretty damn good goaltending from their guy Shesterkin. Surprise, surprise. And uh, the Devils didn't get very good goaltending through the first two games. And again, that meets what the eye test tells you as well. Vanacek wasn't great. Who knows if he'll be back in the series? He had a pretty good season. So, you know, it's I don't know how long Schmid's, uh, you know, leash is here. But again, we'll see. Like. Uh, and then just talking about a few players before I pass it to Casey here, I noticed that Hughes, Hamilton, and Bratt all have three points in four games, so they don't have a single guy above a point per game or kind of leading the charge, and I think that's a product of the first two games not going very well and this series just being a low-scoring one for the most part uh, anyways. But then on the other side, I saw that Kreider, Kane, and Fox all have six points in four games for the Rangers. So that's a bit scary because those are their big guys and they're producing an X factor like Kane, who we weren't really exactly sure what we were going to get out of him. He's been really good. I still have an X factor for each team. Both guys have zero points right now. One is Timo Meyer for the Devils. Zero points on the board. You've got to imagine something's going to change with that guy. And Alexi Lafreniere, same thing. Zero points on the other side. you got to imagine something's about to give. What are your thoughts on this series, Chris? I'm trying to take mental inventory of all the points I want to talk about that you just mentioned. And (laughs) like I've already lost half of them. I think the first one that I'm remembering I wanted to say something about is honestly after game one and some of game two, I sat there thinking if this whole series was played five on five the devils would win and that includes the first two games so i kind of disagree with you there i think that five on five game one the devils owned that game it was the special teams where the rangers really kicked the shit out of them rangers had were two for three on the power play devils were oh for four uh and they kind of just i don't know it changed the game they scored one quick goal five on five because you know the devils were admittedly shaky and you know the experience they looked like they were nervous going into that game they scored a quick goal and then two power play goals chris Kreider has been phenomenal on the power play so uh, i definitely wanted to talk about the five five on five and then uh patrick kane 
first game, it took me until halfway through the third period to realize he was dressed for the New York Rangers. <laughs> the second game, Showtime showed up, and oh, he yeah. was phenomenal. Third game and fourth game, glimpses, glimpses. But he has not been the Showtime I expected. Game two, he was great. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit that one. First yep. one, didn't even know he was there. Um, honestly, outside of the power play, I think that the Rangers have one or two lines i've noticed this so far um the panarin uh tarasenko and Kreider line in the first game was the only one and then games two to four the kid line was the only line really producing uh panarin last night gave away machine uh, that line could not get anything going but i'm touching on points i'm kind of sporadic here i, I kind of want to start back at the top and talk sure. about a few things first thing i want to say before i get into the actual series is count your blessings chad that you can listen to the home uh home broadcast you can listen to sportsnet doing the leafs games i have sportsnet it makes it so that i have to watch tbs for the first couple of games and then espn for the second half of the games unbelievably biased commentary i am getting so fed up of listening to how much they hate the devils and how much they love the rangers uh paul bissonette in the is openly biased in um in spit and chicklets hating on pasha and the devils and he's brought that to the tbs broadcast and the first two games he was just absolutely ripping on them the play-by-play is kind of my example of how it would go was the devils would carry the puck in and the rangers would strip them and they'd say oh what an unbelievable defensive play by the new york rangers the rangers would come in and the devils would bump them off the puck take the puck and pass it up and they go oh the rangers fumbled the puck if, if that kind of explains anything that does make sense those, yeah those were yeah. the first two games the second two games with espn sean mcdonough is my new least favorite commentator in the league worse than jack um adams or not jack adams um, jack edwards. edwards jack edwards yeah he's so boring for one and then he's so unbelievably biased he just disses on the devils the whole time he said something that i've never heard a commentator before say in the in the nhl he said that a player made the wrong decision he sure came in i think it was a three on three break and his two wings were tied up with players he was getting pressure so he chipped it in the corner he says he sure coming in the zone he's got men on each side oh he dumps it in that's the wrong decision there i was like what you're who are you um so that made me mad and then the other example of just like so annoying he's just like talking about how the devils were tripping all over the place that's because madison square garden's ice is shit and then the other thing was 10 minutes into the second period the shot he says the devils only have one shot at this point in the period the shots were three one three one so I don't, and he was baffled at the end of the game. Oh, what a low shot affair. That's the playoffs, man. I know you're a college football commentator, but like, <laughs> keep up. Keep up if you're going to be the ESPN guy. Ray Ferraro at times would be like, now the Devils are playing good defense too there, Sean, just to try to fix it. But, anyways, I had to vent about that. That was driving me insane. Um, I guess I have to live with it because I have to watch them them do it. But I'll say uh, Messier and Subban were great in uh, Game 3. And um, Callahan and Kevin Weeks were great last night as well. So that was more enjoyable. The next thing is inexperience. Let's put that to rest. The first yep. two games, they really showed their inexperience. Um and you know everyone pointing out losing two home games it's all because they're inexperienced team while the rangers just lost two at home as well they've clawed back let's drop the inexperienced thing something i need to point out is that andre palat in game three was the worst player on the ice for both teams last night invisible except for his empty net goal so the guy with the most experience has been non-existent for the devils Timo Meyer last night, Chad, was breaking sticks on the bench. He's so fed up with how bad he's been playing. No he kidding. has more experience than most of the Devils. So let's just put that to rest. Let's move on and pick out something else to talk about. Um, 
I got to talk about the officiating. Oh officiating worldwide has been absolutely miserable. Atrocious. The amount of calls is ridiculous. To say that the Rangers in the first two games had 10 power plays in the playoffs is is atrocious. And then they continue to have eight in the next two. So that has been brutal to watch. They've called bad calls both ways, but more calls in general all across the league. And it's been brutal to watch. You know, Rebecca has been watching every game with me uh, and she's saying like, this is kind of hard to watch with how many penalties there have been. And she's, you know, very casual fans. So it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, and it's really hurt the Devils in the first two games. Their special teams were brutal. The Rangers put it to them, but things have turned around as the De- or the Rangers have gone over 10 on their power plays, their last 10 power plays. And that's really hurt them because five on five, the Devils have been a very good team. So talking about another thing here is the giveaway game. Oh my God, the first two games were so bad for the Devils. The giveaways were 28 to nine in the first two games game three and four they're 34 to 22 rangers had 34 giveaways i think panarin had 14 last night (laughs) it's been unbelievable um the other thing is that the devils have been dominating the face-off game and it has shown that is affecting this this series for sure um gallant actually pointed it out last night he said you know our team was our team was soft all night. Uh, they didn't put up a, a big fight. The only fight they did was whining about the linesman not dropping the puck at the faceoff. And uh, it really just every time Michael McLeod wins the faceoff back, it's a breakout. They're down the ice. So the Devils have the momentum going into game five at home. They've turned this thing around. The Rangers dominated them the first two games while I think the Devils dominated them last night. It was a 3-1 game, so the score might not say that, but there was no time I felt overly threatened by the, the, the Rangers last night because the Devils were playing this hybrid of the old-time Devils hockey with the shut shutdown uh, trap, playing a 1-2-2 most of the game, and then taking chances when they're there uh, more so than they ever did before. You know, right away, Jack Hughes scoring on the breakaway to kick that game off was a game changer because they had the lead and then they played defense. They got scored on eventually. Um, They lost a faceoff finally, Trocek scores, but then they gained their composure, they scored again, and then they shut it down again. And it was kind of nice to watch that game four. Game two, or one to two, I was in just a wreck. Game three felt a little better and, you know, didn't feel great until Dougie Hamilton scored. And then game four was awesome. So this series has really turned around. I've been talking forever. I've said a lot. Um, Akira Schmid is the man now. Vitek Vanacek has been very supportive in this, says Lindy Ruff. So it sounds like Schmid will keep going. And, uh, Man, is that impressive for a 22-year-old rookie to be playing as good as he has been. I'm glad you mentioned the goaltending because that's something that I wanted to bring up as well. Like I, I know I, we mentioned it in passing, but so you are on board with this decision then to, to just run Schmid and, and see what happens? They talked it to death in both games that Schmid was in the net, but he is so calm and collected in the net. He is positionally sound um it's actually a note i have here to talk about is that mackenzie blackwood has probably played his last game in a devil's jersey because of kira schmidt oh schmidt has been phenomenal he's six foot five and 200 and something pounds he fills the net he's moving so effortlessly and so economically is what ray ferraro kept saying in the net he's economical he 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 (laughs) does not waste any energy at all and it's amazing. I, I don't like his that composure, term. His composure is ridiculous for a 22-year-old guy. Like he, he, he's been great. Um, I actually have all the faith in the world in him, so I would run him until you know he does something atrocious. I guess. Fair <laughs> enough. I don't like the term economical. I don't mind the term efficient to describe a goaltender, but economical sounds just awful on the eardrums. <laughs> Thanks, Ray Ferraro. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, um, Harper, what what are your thoughts here? I, I feel like Casey and I have been going back and forth. We haven't heard from you. You're the outsider. You're the unbiased one, the only one on the pod here. What do you have to say about this series? 
Yeah, I'm the only I'm the only one actually enjoying the playoffs while you two are just stressed out all the time and nervous wrecks. I no, can't no, believe it, I don't um, smoke yet. That's what I said last night. I can't believe I don't smoke. Oh my god, so stressful. Yeah, I went uh, to get a haircut today, and, and the guy just kind of gently pulled the hair out of my head. He was like, oh, "I don't really need to cut this." <laughs> Oh, oh, geez. But uh, you know what? No, this uh, it, it would have been so easy for the Devils to just roll over and quit and, uh, and you know, um, stick with, with the narrative that, uh, that we all had. And I was guilty of it, too, after the first two games that they lost. Okay, they're done, inexperienced. At least they got in, you know, case. You got to be happy with that. But, no, they're a resilient group. They're a young group. And, you know, I look at uh, that that third game, Dougie Hamilton in that second year of that long-term deal, he didn't have a great season last year. Really, no one on the Devils did last year. And he steps up big. He has a huge year and uh, and and comes up big for them in that moment. So, you know, one of their veteran guys is uh, it continues to just step up for them, and, and that's Dougie Hamilton, the, uh, the $9 million defenseman. And then... Your cornerstone uh, player in in Jack Hughes, one of your cornerstone guys, scores a big goal last night uh, in that fourth game, and uh, just a, a great response. Again, one of the best road teams in the NHL in the regular season. I'm not surprised at all. And uh, yeah, you, you got to ride the hot hand. It's it's Schmied's net now, and I think what this series is going to come down to at the end of the day is who can score more goals five on five. We know that uh, New Jersey is good with uh, or excuse me that New York has a good power play and everything but I I just feel like you know the team that scores more five on five is going to end up winning this series and you know Casey were very critical of uh, Panarin and rightfully so statistically in his career so far he has not been a great playoff performer he really hasn't so that's kind of the one guy I'm looking at on the Rangers um to to kind of uh to step up a little bit and finally prove that he can produce in the playoffs and then obviously for New Jersey you're uh, you're happy that you're going back to uh, uh your home building tied at two in this series but you're looking for you know a guy like Palat or Meyer who was obviously a big addition to make some contribution but hey you will get wins any way they come in the playoffs, they've done that. They've rattled off two in a row at uh, on the road and going back to New Jersey tied at two. So very impressed. It's great to see and uh, so fitting for the Battle of the Hudson. It, it's great. Yeah, um, just to touch on a couple points that you made there. They, they did have 28 road wins this season, which is a franchise. They tied the franchise record this year. And yep. you, you mentioned, you know, after two games, a lot of people are counting them out. I was counting them out after three games. I said, if they lose game three, it's over. But game three was everything for the series because I couldn't count out this team after what they did this season. I think they led the league in comeback wins. Uh, Maybe Toronto was tied with them or like they were right up there. Uh, I remember the stat was 22 at one point where they both had. And so I just couldn't count the team out yet. I don't think we'd seen the best of them yet. Jack Hughes, you mentioned game one and two was very shaky and you could tell he was nervous while well, he, he figured it out. Um, I think that penalty shot goal did do a lot for him. And then game two, he was slightly better. Game three, way better. Game four, he was feeling himself last night. Oh, yeah. Jack Hughes skating around doing shit that I don't even understand again. Um, I'll talk about some of the Rangers, though, that, that I have to mention and a couple guys I've dumped on a lot in the past. Well, that kid line has been excellent. Every time they're on the ice, they're in the devil's corner, mashing their defensemen and working the puck around. Lots of great chances. Lafreniere's got a few scary looks. If he could hit the net, he'd have a couple goals. And they're scaring me. I don't like when they're on the ice, more so than anyone else on the Rangers. Um, Shesterkin, I don't need to say anything else. He is great. The only way the Devils have beaten him is on a shootout or a penalty shot, a power play, or a perfect shot from Siegenthaler, which is crazy to say, I guess. (laughs) A couple Devils I have to talk about before we move on. 
Ryan Graves, who played 24 minutes last night, and John Marino played more than 24 minutes, I believe. They have been a rock. John Marino is that man that I talked about earlier in the season as being the devil's best defenseman. After his injury, things trailed off a little bit. He is back to being that man. He is, I am so comfortable when he is on the ice. He is always in the perfect position and doesn't do anything stupid, which is what you want from a defenseman in the playoffs. You know, play defense, don't do anything stupid. So I had to point that out. The other thing, I don't want to talk negatives about the Devils, but I think Miles Wood just played his last game as a Devil as well. He played poorly in game one, took some stupid penalties in both games, was scratched in game three, and they've won both games with him out of the lineup. Well, I think that's it then, because this is a guy that you kind of expect the way he plays the game will bring a different factor into the playoffs. While he hasn't got it done, Curtis Lazar has been better in the playoffs than him. So I think he made himself expendable when he's a UFA at the end of this year. Um, He's probably going to be on a team out West come the next season. Case, I had a couple questions to ask you, um, just because obviously you're closest to the team. Uh, the first was about the Siegenthaler healthy scratch. What did you think of that? And then the second question is, do you think Luke Hughes will get into the lineup and be able to make a difference? Or do you think it's just too early for him? Um, I think I test Siegenthaler was not good in, um, in game one and two. Or game one, he was scratched for two. Right. Um, the, un- the underlying not- numbers suggest otherwise. That's why you That's said eye test. Say. Yeah. The eye test, he was not very good. He was kind of just there. He wasn't bringing an edge. He wasn't kind of being the shutdown guy. But the underlying numbers said he was good. So they brought Brendan Smith in. Honestly, I thought Brendan Smith played fairly well. He was laying the body quite a bit. Um, but I think... Yeah, well, like Siegenthaler has to stay in now. He's been playing great ever since that scratch. Maybe he just needed a, a, a wake-up call or something. I, I don't know. Lindy Ruff makes some crazy changes sometimes. While they paid off in Game 3, uh, Miles Wood being out and Siegenthaler being back in is one of them. Uh, Schmid, obviously, that's huge. But as for Luke Hughes, I don't know what to do here because Kevin Ball had a shaky Game 2, but... Game three, game four, he has been very solid. He brings a very physical, feisty game. Yeah, uh, big body. And he's been moving the puck better ever since. Uh, actually, last night, you could hear from the pu- the bench and the commentators pointed this out. Everyone was yelling no when he was skating up with the ice once. Or skating up the ice with the puck once. The bench was going, no, no. And he dumped it in and skated off. And it was like, yep, that's what we need, Kevin. Like, Big baller. Hit some people, break out passes, and get off the ice. But And he, he like drew a penalty out of Panarin one night just by kind of pushing him around a bit and then letting him punch him in the face. And it was just like, he has played very well. Now, I think maybe we see a Luke Hughes if it comes down to a... a a knockout game or, or like if you know if the rangers win the next one maybe we see luke in game six but i don't know i i really don't need i, I don't know what they need out of the the team right now you know you look at the game last night it was the shutdown game that won it for them so do you bring in luke hughes who's more of a, a willy-nilly you know puck moving guy mm-hmm. or do you keep a kevin ball Siegenthaler type lockdown defensive strategy which worked very well so I don't want to be making that decision. Uh, I'm glad Lindy Ruff is doing it. It's a tough one. I I don't think it's a bad thing at all to to have Luke sitting and just watching, like just being around the team, just getting exposed to how these guys prepare, seeing what is what his brother is doing in his first playoff series ever as a National Hockey League player because we know down the road that I mean, Luke is going to be out there in every single situation on the blue line for the Devils in the postseason. So I, I don't think it's it's bad at all for him to just be watching from above and just being around the team while they're going through this. But uh, it would be cool to see him get in there because uh, when he finally got in with the Devils uh, towards the end of the season there, he did look pretty good. But um, yeah. Yeah, if we could have a McAvoy situation on our hands, I would love that. But uh <laughs> I think McAvoy plays a different game. 
Yeah, that's McAvoy sure. just two way, like solid. One of the yeah. best guys in the league. Like he, I'm he just saying. Plays. Remember when he was an NCAA, NCAA player and came yeah. in as a rookie? Like at the end of the year, they signed yeah. him, brought him in. He played in the playoffs and was a game changer. So it was like, yeah. Yeah. I well, love look that. at the, look at that first game that Brock Faber had. That play that he made with the stick uh, with with Minnesota. So yeah. um, you, you see guys come in right away. I think you know the Devils just have so much depth back there and, and experience that um, you know you don't want to shuffle that up too much. So Harper, how are you going to mention Brock Faber before Matthew Nyes, who pulled the puck off of the goal line to start the comeback for the Maple Leafs in Game Four? Well, we haven't talk, gotten to that series yet. Forwards, <laughs> I, I'm not talking about a. Like, get him out. That's why I said McAvoy and not nice. No, like, but he said Brock Faber. Are you yeah, kidding me, Harper? Where are you going with this? Forward is a whole different thing. I, if Luke Hughes was a forward, I'd say get him in the game right now. But <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into the the second series we're going to talk about. So again, Devils Rangers all tied up at two. Battle of the Hudson Game Five Thursday night in New Jersey, and uh, Toronto and Tampa. Man, w- like w- what a, a turn of events. Here in, in this series, Leafs are up three to one going into Game Five. Oh God! On Thursday night in Toronto, with with a chance to wrap this thing up, um, you know they 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 get smoked in Game One, and then three wins in a row. Two of them on the road in Tampa. You know the Lightning are are going to come in to Toronto a, a pissed off bunch. Um, you know, John Cooper will be getting them all riled up for for that game on Thursday. But before we get to that, I mean, just an unbelievable couple of games. I watched the finish to that game on Saturday, that uh, that third game, and then uh, what a finish it was. Um, you know, th- this comes uh, 3,500 plus days after they. Blow, uh, blew that 4-1 lead against Boston, of course, and, and lost. And so, you know, this time last night, Toronto's down by three. Find a way to come back. Alex Kerfoot is the overtime hero. Things feel different. We don't want to get too away uh, ahead of ourselves here with this team. Case, I'll go to you first. Just uh, your thoughts on this series so far and where Toronto is at, up 3-1. to one. And now, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV. Whether you're staying active or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, it's non-GMO, and it's free from gluten, dairy, and soy. There are plenty of awesome flavors, but my personal favorite right now is lemon lime. So get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at checkout. That's 20% off anything in the store when you order using the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today with Liquid IV. This podcast is also sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Yeah, I mean, uh, boom, 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 boom. That's me banging that drum, banging that don't ball out a team in the playoffs drum. And, <laughs> well, Tampa blew them out in game one, and I just kept saying it. Every single Leafs fan I talked to for the next day and a half, I was saying, don't blow out a team in the playoffs. Don't blow out a team in the playoffs. You'll see what happens. Well, the Leafs turned it around and did the exact same thing. And that scared me because I don't know how the double negative thing works in the playoffs. So, <laughs> uh, but that was quite the game to watch. Uh, I didn't watch so much of that one. So I don't have a ton of comments on the play other than, um, well, they blew them out. And then game three, um, it's funny. I, I talked to some Leafs fans and I like, I like the opinion that someone gave me. And they said, the Leafs, 
lose games that they should lose and they lose games they should win but they never win games they should lose and that was game three so i think that for the psyche of this team and for the fans that meant a lot to them and they got outplayed in that game for sure and they ended up pulling it out and winning the game um I've loved how feisty this series has been so far. It's been an absolute zoo to watch at times. Uh, I mean, it's no 136 penalty minutes like the Devils-Rangers game two had, but it's been a lot of fun to watch. And then, I don't know, you can take me out to dinner maybe, or however you guys, Leafs fans, want to thank me. I like Kraken a lot uh, as a gift. But I have been such a good luck charm for this team. I tuned it in late into that game on Saturday to watch them win. Last night, after the Devils game, I was like, I'll watch the Leafs uh, Tampa. You know, it's 4-1, but I'll watch the rest of the game. I turned it on. 20 seconds later, Matthew scores. They proceed to score three goals in a row to tie the game and then win it in overtime. You're welcome, Toronto. I won that game for you. It was all me. Yeah, that's all I want. A thank you, maybe a gift basket, whatever. Yeah. Um, a lot of fun to watch, though. I, I'm, you know, we'll get into the details. I'm sure Chad's going to talk about some uh, some suspensions and stuff like that. Some juicy little details. So once Chad talks about it, I'll give my opinions. But let's hear it from the Leafs fan. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Like just to start, man. What a crazy, crazy, crazy series. Did we expect anything less? The answer is no. no. We all no. expected this absolute gong show. And even like in terms of goals for like in the playoffs right now, these teams are number one and number two. Toronto is number one, uh, and, and Tampa is number two in terms of goals for per games played. The actual goals are nineteen to sixteen in favor of Toronto. I mentioned a stat last episode. Toronto is the only team other than the Colorado Avalanche of last year to outscore the Tampa Bay Lightning in a playoff series since their uh, first of their three runs started, so three years ago. Toronto and Tampa, or sorry, Toronto and Colorado were the only two teams to outscore them in a series. So if the Leafs keep this up, odds are they're going to have a pretty good time. Um, and things are going pretty well for them right now. But like you mentioned, Harp, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we've seen 3-1 leads in series disappear, and uh, we don't want to put any bad juju on this one. But yeah, Case, you mentioned the suspensions. Let's get into that. Game one, Michael Dum Dum Bunting makes the dumbest of dumb dumb plays ever and gives the dirtiest elbow to the head of Eric Chernak. Um, not that I ever like not that anyone should ever wish an injury on another player or whatever, but I'll take that trade off all day long. Michael Bunting for Eric Chernak. It's it is what it is. Like it was a dirty play. It should have never happened. But the Leafs have obviously very much benefited from Eric Chernak, one of the best defensemen on the Tampa Bay Lightning, not being in the lineup, as well as Victor Hedman being out for Game Two. Yeah. That was a big thing uh, that that went towards the Maple Leafs winning Game Two in a blowout. You mentioned how the Leafs got blown out in Game One, and Casey, you said never blow out a team in a play in the playoffs. Well, Harper, we posted that video of your radio hit on our Instagram. Just look at the comments, man. Day of. It's so funny. All the comments are, Leafs still stink, Leafs suck, like this and that. And we're just waiting. We just waited on it. And then we saw what happened in game two, three, and four. And the Leafs were pissed off, clearly, that they got embarrassed on home ice. And they took that personally. Um, Now going into game three case, like you mentioned, they got outplayed. Uh, yeah, they got outplayed in game three and four. And traditionally, like you said, the Leafs have never been able to win those games. They always seem to lose games that they should have won, where the expected goals are eight to one for the Maple Leafs, but they have Jack Campbell in net and he lets in two softies and they lose two to one or something. So it's just, it's one of those things, man, where it just feels different that they're able to close out these kinds of games, despite the fact that they've been outplayed. Does that make me feel really confident going into game five, six, and seven? Hell no. You want to be the better team on the ice. You want to see the underlying numbers and the eye test be very good for your team. And they haven't been these last two games, except for 
I would I, I can't even say game three overtime because they got outplayed and Samsonov literally stole that game. Um, so I'll say they've gotten outplayed except for the last 10 minutes and overtime of game four because all of a sudden, man, they just stepped it up. And I remember when it was it was 4-1, I was thinking about turning it off. I, I texted Adam. I'm like, hey, do you want to play some PlayStation? Like, And then I was going to watch the game on the side type thing, not pay too much attention to it because you still have to have it on but it wasn't like you know i thought they were done i was like okay going back to toronto to best two out of three two are at home that's okay i still think the leaves had the advantage in the series if that were the case but then adam said no that might have helped out a little bit he said thank you as well just like you did case i continued watching intensely and then they get one and it's four two and you look in the eyes of the players and it's like okay they know they have work to do. They know that when they scored, it was like, ah, okay, maybe we'll be able to do this. Then they get another one, and it's 4-3. And then the look in the player's eyes changed entirely. It turned from, yeah, maybe we can do this, to we are 100% doing this. And then they tied it at four, and I went nuts, like absolutely nuts. It was, it was insane. The last minute of that game, though, they were hemmed in their own zone, and I thought, in True Leafs fashion, they were going to blow it after coming back. That would have been just ridiculous. Then they go into overtime. They possess the puck really well. Morgan Riley uh, has stepped up in in the previous game with, with the OT winner, sifting it through from the blue line. Well, similar play this time. Alex Kerfoot gets a stick on it, puts it in, Leafs win, and they're up 3-1 in the series. What a feeling, guys. I can't express to you how that game made me feel. It, it made me look at this team and just think, like, something here is different because that's a game they lose nine times out of ten if uh if it was the team from last year or the year before or the year before that when i think it was uh it was four two and they went on the power play and i said if they score on this power play i said it out loud i said if they score on this power play they win this game and uh well Sauston matthews just taps one out of the air and oh, in the net and i was like oh it's it's over like they it's have on. all the momentum there's eight minutes left in this game they're going to tie this and go to overtime and it happened it was great i i admittedly that was the first time i've actually rooted for the leafs <laughs> in in, a, in over a decade I last year in the series I said like oh you know I'm kind of rooting for them but realistically I was like let's go Tampa like let's let's knock them out of this this year I'm I'm rooting for them I was rooting for them in that game I'm rooting for them in the series yeah they look different I think they're gonna win this series and then uh, we'll see what happens in Boston I, true I, I wanted to say this as well I think Leafs fans knocking on wood for you buddy. yeah thank you oh yeah I wanted to say this as well I think Leafs fans have been waiting for a moment where their superstars just take a stranglehold on the game and do something about it and just take over and say, no matter what you guys do to try to defend us, it's not happening because we're the best players on the ice. You know, you see uh, the Oilers obviously are a team where their superstars are able to do that game in and game out, whether it's Dreisaitl or McDavid. Those two guys can say, okay, enough's enough. We're taking over this game. And despite the fact that everyone knows Austin Matthews is one of the best players in the entire league, scored 60 goals last year, despite the fact that everyone knows that Mitch Marner is one of the best passers in the league, uh, a Selkie candidate perennially now going forward, um, there's still some doubt in, in whether these guys can actually take a hold of games, especially in the playoffs. Well, I think last night showed us that these guys have that ability and it showed fans that they're sick of this shit too and they want to get over the hump just as much yeah. as every single person in leafs nation so that was just so thrilling to watch and so encouraging um because case like remember we were talking earlier in the year uh i think it started because i commented on a post in the athletic when matthews wasn't scoring and i said something like you know why is it that when matthews isn't scoring all the talk is, okay, how do we free him up? How do we get him extra 
minutes against lesser competition? Who can we put on his wing to make sure that Matthew scores more? But then when McDavid isn't scoring, the conversation is different. It's like, okay, he'll figure it out. And he always does. Like, why is it a dichotomy? Like, are they really number one and two in the league? Well, Matthew's all season until about the last 10 games. It, it was a bit of a crapshoot of a season, to be honest. Like, he, he didn't have a great year, then started to ramp it up. And now that we're in the playoffs, the most important time of the year, he showed that he doesn't need anything else or anybody else. Him and Marner are able to take well, over a game themselves. It seems like maybe he needed to get punched in the head a little bit. Maybe that? Yeah. Well, we didn't even talk about his first fight. Oh, my God. Where he got jumped by Stamkos. That was bullshit, by the way. Like, that was so dumb. But anyway, I, I'm just so... It was fun. First time ever. 60-60. Yeah. 60, 60. yeah. I, I'm, ju- I'm just so uh, happy with where the series is at right now. And I love the players demeanors after that game after a ridiculous comeback game a game that will be remembered forever as as one of the greatest comebacks in Leafs history um you know after the game it was like well job's not done it was Mamba mentality and you need that exactly I I was I was gonna bring that up uh you know I love Matthew's response just you know cold looking face not too happy not too you know uh jump in after that big comeback win he just said yeah the we're not we're not finished yet we're, the job isn't complete yet and uh i'm kicking myself boys because i made the mistake of turning it off when it was 4-1 <laughs> i mean i had to go to bed anyway because i had to get up in the morning but then you know my my brother gets home just after 10 o'clock i think from from working all day and he said, did you see the finish to that Leafs game? And I said, no, but like assuming that, you know, it Tampa tied up the series. And But no, he said, what a finish, man. And so I'm kicking myself a bit this morning. Um, you, you better bet that I'm going to watch uh, game five in, in Toronto, that's for sure. All of it in, in its entirety this time. And, of course, watch them lose that one when I, when I decide to watch with, with my dad. But... Um. Yeah. Again, cautious optimism, Chad. You and I were texting earlier. You're like Harper. Sh- shut up. Like d- you know, <laughs> don't say that. Like oh, it feels different. But it just it again. Knock on wood. But things just feel a little bit different. And I think there are two things. Matthews and Marner have been unbelievable so far. They are producing. They've produced through these first four games of this series. And I think that. Finally, for the first time in, you know, the last three years or so, we've seen them try to to load up and add the right veterans. You know, guys like Nick Foligno, Labushkin, go down the list. Spezza, who, you know, was an effective player for them, but it just wasn't enough. I think they finally added the right veterans. And, like, Ryan O'Reilly at the top of the list have always loved this player. He has put his mark on this series. Like, I don't know. How, they have to re-sign him after after uh, these playoffs are over. Um, he's the one who ties up the game late in regulation in Game 3 and then helps to screen Vasilevsky on the Morgan Riley overtime winner. He's talking well, and to the And won guys. the face-off, too. That's yeah, the most and won, important part. And, Exactly, and won the face-off. He's, he's huddling. He's got the guys. He did this in Buffalo and in St. Louis, where he won in 2019, by the way, as, as we know, and won the Conn Smythe Trophy. This guy knows how to play this time of year and uh, is an absolute gamer. He's bringing the guys in before a big face-off. Just a leader. Him, number one. Luke Shen had an unbelievable game three as well knows how to play against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Jake McCabe, in his first ever NHL postseason, has been just a physical presence on that blue line. And and, and a different goaltender as well, Ilya Samsonov, finally and truly getting the chance to be the guy in the playoffs for a team because when he was in Washington, you know, got that chance a little bit, but, you know, I think that Laviolette didn't have a lot of trust in him and ultimately moved on from him. So I think between Matthews and Marner producing, 
so far putting that to bed that, you know, oh, your big stars can't produce in the playoffs. Well, they have been producing. And then the right veterans being added into the mix who have really made an impact so far, I think are the two key differences for me and uh, and and why I say that things feel different so far. But man, th- this has been a hell of a series so far. The drama, the back and forth, the comments between the two coaches, the things that have happened, it's it's been awesome so far. I cannot wait for Thursday night. Yeah, absolutely same. And something I wanted to mention too is like this series in terms of the goal scoring is kind of going similar to last year um, through the first four games anyways, that is, where it's been pretty high scoring and we haven't seen Andre Vasilevsky be very good at all like his his numbers both surface level and underlying are not very good and that worries me a bit going into these next three games because playoff Vasilevsky when the guy turns it on can be scary so the Leafs are going to have to do everything they can to close out this series it is not going to be easy like I was talking to Nate earlier today who obviously is a big Tampa Bay fan has some wild takes by the way he said their decor (laughs) was better this year than it was last year even though they replaced Ryan McDonough with Nick Perbix but anyways I I digress from there Um, I was talking to Nate earlier and and he was like man like you know, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Like, it kind of feels like Tampa just needs needs a rest and needs a break and kind of almost feels over was the vibe that he was giving. And I said, man, this series is far from over. Like, it's oh, only yeah. two games down. We've seen already New Jersey be able to come back in a series down two games to nothing. Down 3-1, sure, it's a little bit more difficult because you're staving off elimination Um in Toronto potentially twice uh, for, for if you're Tampa Bay but man this series is not over and I wanted to get that out there because in typical Leafs fashion like if if they lose this lead this will be the epitome of what it is to be a Maple Leafs fan going to blow a 3-1 lead but like we've mentioned already it feels different we're trying not to get ahead of ourselves but i truly and honestly believe in this group and i'm more confident than i have been ever in a playoff series i want to make a sweeping statement about the devils in a similar fashion but first i want to say that i think maybe this bunting situation could have been the best thing that's ever happened in toronto because they've been great with him out of the lineup uh previously the suspensions have killed them uh cadre asked that we don't bring him into it so i won't but uh, common man (laughs) bunting bunting out has worked and now there's the you know the headline is that he's not going to be back in despite being done his in his uh, suspension so i find that really fascinating um I thought three games was maybe a lot. I think there's definitely a suspension there, but three games was pushing it maybe. Uh, I think there is a lot to do with who Bunting is. I don't think that he has a very good reputation going on. Uh, So that plays a factor for sure. But I'm excited to watch the rest of the series. I am rooting for the Leafs for one series in the playoffs, and then I will go back to being a common Leafs hater. I am. I, I think I have worked myself into the category of a sensible Leafs hater, where uh, I know when to point out when they're doing good, and I love to point out when they're doing bad. So, uh, we'll go back to that in a, in a week. Um, my last sweeping comment that I want to make about the Devils before we wrap up this episode is two things, two ifs. If they can play like they played last night. And if they can get Palat and Meyer going, they can beat anyone in this league. Um, I am very cautiously optimistic when I'm saying that. Like, I don't have high expectations. I'm really just hoping that they can get out of this series and then we'll see from there. Yep. I don't expect them to win the Stanley Cup. But I said before, in our our, uh, playoff preview, I said they play games where when they play in this manner, they could beat anyone in the league. They just have to string four of those each series together. While they play like they did last night, and they get Palat and Meyer going, hook the fuck out because they they could upset some teams. There's something to be said too about a team who is freshly into the playoffs. You know, a team who 
is on the up and up, who who has just made the playoffs for the first year with their core. There's something to be said about how those types of nerves differ from the types of nerves experienced by players on, say, the Maple Leafs who haven't got out of the first round in 20 years. Yeah. Like Jack Hughes, you know, what does he have to be nervous about? Nothing. He just has to go out there and play his game because there are zero expectations. It's similar to the Leafs back in 2017 when they played the Washington Capitals. So free out there to do whatever they want. And now that the initial yeah. jitters are gone, not nerves, but jitters are gone, I think this team is in a great position. And also, Case, going back to, uh, b- before we wrap up, going back to the uh, comments you made about bunting, do you guys think he should be in the lineup in Game 5? And if so, who comes out? No, I don't think so. Well, first of all, Matthew Nyes has been unbelievable since he got inserted in. He's not coming out. I don't know who you take out with with, with Bunting um, coming in. I, I think he's played his final game as a Toronto Maple Leaf. I, I like the player, but that was... A dumb move and um, you know again like when you get taken out and someone gets inserted in that that plays really well like like Matthew Nyes you just you can't how why would you change that lineup right now you're not taking out a guy like Achari either he scored in in the last game I think the consensus would be uh, Kerfoot and then he scored the winner like exactly before that winner I would have said maybe take Kerfoot out yeah Um, I think I've it would be Lafferty, to be honest. Yeah, I think he and, would be and the first maybe. one to go. And, and Elliot I've Freeman got the did too. mention Sorry, him. <laughs> no, yeah. Elliot did mention Lafferty as the guy to maybe come out, but I don't okay. know. I, I just think right now you're you're not screwing with, with anything. Um, no. But, you know, Bunting can certainly be an effective player. It's just that's just going to be a tough move now after that suspension and what he did in game one to try and put him back in and, and take someone out. But yes, I did hear that. The one guy, though, w- would be Lafferty because, yeah, Nyes is not coming out. Achari, Kerfoot now, none of those guys. So we'll, we'll see. I personally if don't he, think he comes back in, though. If he comes back in, put, put him in the bottom six. Put him on the fourth yeah. line. Don't stop putting yeah. him with Matthews. The guy nope. plays a whole different type of game, and you can tell in game one, or yeah, game one, the look on Matthews' face when he would start a scrum in the crease, Matthews would be like, oh, fuck, why are we doing Again. this right now? I'm gassed. I've been on for 56 seconds. I need to get <laughs> off right now. And you're starting a scrum in the crease over absolutely nothing. Like, okay, I guess I'll go in there. Put him out with like-minded people if you're going to put him back in the lineup. Yeah. And I think that would be like the only option for the team like if a guy like Lafferty comes out Bunting just replaces him on that fourth line because also you don't really want to break up that that third line of Nyes, O'Reilly and Achari they've been winning all of their minutes um, and have been in the offensive zone a ton that's that's a great line it's it's one of those things where like if you put Bunting back in what are you expecting to get from him? You know, Lafferty's probably better defensively, even though Bunting is like a 60-point player back-to-back seasons almost. Like, you know, Lafferty might just be better fit for this situation and the minutes he's going to play. So it is what it is. Um, also, two rapid-fire quick, quick ones here. Thoughts on Kyle Dubas yelling at fans in Tampa Bay? I personally thought it was hilarious. I want to know what he was yelling. Loved it. Um, yeah. I'm dying to know what he was saying, what was going on there, but absolutely, absolutely loved it. It's it's what you want to see, right? Like he he is he you know, his job is on the line and uh, the passion and everything is coming out from both him and Keith. I, I loved it. I loved it. I did not love it. I don't think that's what you want to see from your GM of a National Hockey League team. I think that you want to see a composed, strategic person thinking about the next factor of the game, not listening to some drunk Floridian (laughs) yelling yelling (laughs) bullshit at you. Like, you just move on. Like, you're not going to... Have you ever seen that before? No, I don't think I no. ever have. I thought no. it was hilarious because I have oh, never seen funny. something like that ever. But I, I, yeah. I hear where you're coming from, Case, and I kind of feel that way too. It's it's not a great look. 
I want to know what was said both ways because for someone as as composed and, and calm as Kyle Dubas to start yelling at some idiots in the crowd, they must have said some pretty crazy stuff. Man, if it's like, for one, I thought it was funny too. I'd love to hear what was said. But if it's like a former NHL player, like if it was Jason Spezza, probably not going to ever be Jason Spezza doing that because he's never been that guy. But yeah. if it's a former NHL player who's a GM, maybe he's in his late 40s, early 50s, says something to some fans, I'm like, whatever. But the fact that Kyle Dubas is like a young younger GM when you look at the GMs. Boy wonder. And he's he's in the spotlight hockey mecca of the world, Toronto. You just expect him to be smarter. You're like, this is a, a very smart man to be in the position that he is. I bet he has to have a cool head to be to have gotten there. Well I, no, I'm willing that, to bet that's fair too. I'm willing to bet there is something other than coffee in his Timmy's cup. Uh, when he was watching mm. that game down in Florida, hanging out, trying to take the nerves off, watching uh, his <laughs> team play. Pisses off Maple Leafs GM. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> while he was watching his team play and his uh, his deal is on the line, you know, his job is on the line. So, yeah. Anyway, thought yeah, that was I, I just, I don't know. I, with that, that point exactly is why I loved it. I just think, it, you know, the passion there and everything, he's, you know, he's, he could be out of a job here at the end who knows but at the same time case i get what you're saying and i've heard a lot of other guys say the same thing that yeah it's not a great look professionally wouldn't be any surprise if a guy like billy garen was laughing at a fan or whatever like it you know and of course all the time like we've seen gms like oh they slam their clipboard down like you know throw a couple f-bombs or whatever but yeah have never seen that before where he's just going at it with some fans um anyway would have been would have been nice to be a fly on the wall for for all of that but uh man the first round has been a real treat so far looking forward to the rest of it thursday night in particular for uh for youtube bums and uh yeah it's it's going to be awesome the rest of the way so i will see you both on friday in person by the way looking forward to that and uh thank you so much for listening to uh episode 168 enjoy the rest of round one and we will chat with you again next week This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.